0: Lead me to some soul today, oh teach
1: me. Welcome everyone to episode to number 34. Say. Still find that hard to believe that we're on our 34th episode already of a series of episodes that we're calling Leading Others to Christ. Uh, those of you that have been listening, you know that during these episodes we'll be focused on evangelism and one of our goals, we have many, but one of our goals is to stir us up if you will, us up to love and good works, especially in the area of uh, reaching our family or friends or neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach uh, for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Franklin, Indiana is about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis. Those of you that know me know that, I've been, uh, that I'm passionate about evangelism and and I have been, really, ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in Orangeboro, Kentucky. Uh, and ever since then, I've been striving to, uh, I'm going to use some Bible phrases here, striving to, uh, to teach others, uh, to sow the seed, to persuade men and women, uh, and also to teach others to teach, remembering what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, Commit these to faithful men, obviously, and women, who will be able to teach others also. And then later in the chapter, and I've always really liked this, he says, to uh, to be useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So at the beginning of all this COVID nonsense, I came last year. Can you believe I'm saying last year, which is good, I hope, but came up with this idea of doing a, a podcast to identify those Christians, those men and women, those fellow workers who are doing this, the ones that are out there that are reaching and leading others to Christ. and once we've identified them to interview them and what we want to do is we want to learn more about them. We want to learn where they are, uh, how they're doing their work and and learn as much as we can because w- what we've learned a lot in, in doing these episodes but there's just and there's still a lot that we all have to learn. I'll speak for myself. But we're excited today to have with us someone that uh, I'm confident uh, that we're going to learn a lot from. So as I always do, I encourage you to get out your paper and your pen. Our guest today is Ethan Long Henry. Welcome, Ethan.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me today.
1: Yes, sir. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, to be with us. I know that uh, I looked at the website and I found some interesting things on there that I'm going to pull out at different pa- uh, places here. But I know that you're working there with the, the Venice Church of Christ in Los Angeles, California. Yes, and, sir. In in Venice, and I'll let you tell us more about the uh, uh, the the group there in the area. But what we always do uh, try to start out with what I call like the old elevator pitch or a short bio and. Uh, For those that don't know uh, who Ethan Long Henry is, would you give us a a short bio of where you were born and where you grew up and uh, when you learned the truth, who taught you the truth? Kind of bring us up to speed of who Ethan is.
0: Okay. Uh, um, I'm from Northern Illinois, a town called Rockford, Illinois. Uh, I was raised, um, parents were somewhat nominally Presbyterian, uh, didn't really do much in the way of church in my teenage years. Uh, had kind of become a functional agnostic, uh, was searching. Uh, happened to meet a girl who, uh, after I had done a lot of study in different religions, and I had decided, you know, hey, religions start out with some good ideas, but then their followers corrupt them. And uh, I gave her quite the opportunity to say, well, we're just trying to follow what God has said according to what he's established in the Bible. And so provided a perfect opportunity for that, actually. And so uh, that girl became my girlfriend, now my wife uh, is responsible for all of this. Uh, also was able to do some studying with uh, Rick Rick who was preaching there in Rockford at the time, now in Peoria, Illinois, and, uh, put him through his, uh, paces and <clears throat> gave him plenty of work to do for that. Um, I ended up, I was going to go to the University of Chicago to become an ethologist. Uh, I did that for a year, uh, worked with a church, uh, the Hestel church in Hammond, Indiana, at that time, just as a member, and ended up doing some uh, weekly preaching for them, and everybody else thought that I should go into this before I did, and uh, came around to the idea. Eventually got my degree from the University of Wisconsin-Madison in Hebrew and Semitic Studies and Classics, which is a fancy-pants way of saying that I learned the original Hebrew and Greek, and uh, spent five years working for the church in Norwalk, Ohio, in northern Ohio. And have been out here at Venice uh, for ten years, and wow. I got four kids and still married, and uh, we uh, persevere in the work here.
1: Well, that's good. Well, that, that helps. See, I learned something. You're from Illinois. I was born in Illinois, in Alton, Illinois, not too All far right. from St. Louis. So, uh, so see, we got something in common. We got a couple of things in common, but uh, the Cardinals uh, have the state. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's funny. All right. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, several things there. You said that I, I could kind of chase and, and, and I tried to do that, as I told you, I would to ask questions. And, uh, but let, you said it a little bit, but I want to go back there. Why? Why is Ethan? You said what you started out doing as far as your education and uh, what, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you for, based on everything I've heard about you? You're passionate about evangelism as well. And how would you answer that question, Nathan? Why are you so interested in leading others to Christ?
0: Um, I mean, I got this. It was This seems like a crazy idea, and, and bear with me, but especially when I went to a Northern Ohio. You know, I had been doing part-time preaching for years, and so I had been active in church work. And then when I got to Northern Ohio, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm an evangelist. What does it mean to evangelize? Well, it means to go preach the gospel. And so I felt that um, I needed to make sure that I'm actually taking the message out to help people learn who Jesus is. I think that a lot of preachers understand that at least some point in their ministry, but it becomes very easy to get wrapped up with the church bureaucracy work, you know? Uh, and again, there's, it, it's not that it's a bad work. People need to be encouraged. Uh, we need to strengthen and sustain one another. Uh, no argument there. But uh, if you don't watch it, they'll just take all of your time doing that. And you won't have any time to actually take the word out. And, you know, it's a daunting prospect. And so I always wanted to keep it in my mind, even though it was not always necessarily the thing being driven, like the elders didn't necessarily drive that, but I always wanted to make sure that it was being driven. And had to create space in Northern Ohio for a robust evangelism program. And, um, you know, I was brought out here originally to really do that work of evangelism and uh, have always tried to keep that, as a focus in what we're doing here?
1: Well, uh, again, one of the reasons that I wanted to do these podcasts is that not to be negative, but just to be real. If you look at the stats, so many uh, in so many places, Ethan, and you know this, the church is shrinking and churches are closing their doors, and where people are not. Doing what we're talking about here, where evangelism is not going on, and if it's not going, if it's not going on in a local community, that's what's going to happen. They eventually will close the doors. So we're trying to, we're trying to stir people up, or you know, the, like the old song, "Revive us again," and say, "Look, mm-hmm. I've got an article that was in the, uh, the Owensboro Messenger and Enquirer uh, in 1960. So I was like 14 years old, I guess." And the article, the article was titled. It was about the. It said the Church of Christ, the fastest growing church in America. And can you imagine seeing an article like that today? Uh, so it's like from 1960 to today, what has happened? And we know if you go back and 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 look at the history, there have been a lot of infighting and a lot of problems have happened. Uh, and but some of it, I think, is that either people have gotten discouraged or they've just lost their focus or they think it's just Ethan's job to do this. It's not it's not me sitting there in the pew and uh, uh, it's not my family's uh, job to do this. And, and somehow that somehow that's been lost in some places. And we're trying to get people to say, hey, and, and to step up and recognize that this is my responsibility too. don't, don't you agree? It's, it's a congregation. Absolutely and uh and i know that you do a lot i know you've written uh, and i may not have gotten all of them but uh you wrote a book on the churches of the new testament uh mm-hmm. a study, study of denominations um, mm-hmm. and, th- and then a devotional spiritual manner um uh, and uh i'm not familiar with those i'm sorry to say i haven't read those but i'm going to look those up i did i know that you spoke at uh the Truth lectures back in uh, 2015 on refocusing on evangelism, and there were several things there in your uh, in your presentation that I thought were uh, really good, and, and and I wanted to to talk about those things today. And but tell us tell us a little bit more about the church there, Venice. Uh, approximately how how many? And I and I know on your site you've got. I uh, tell us about the, the group first, and then I'll focus on some of the tools that you're using.
0: All right. Well. The Church of Christ has been in the Los Angeles area since the 1930s. Around 1939, the congregation was started. Um, kind of got waxed and waned with uh, some of the stuff going on in the neighborhood area. Uh, currently, we're sitting about 35 members, which is where we've been uh, relatively stable for the past about 10 years. That we are a, certainly an urban work. Los Angeles is the second largest metropolitan area. Um, we serve. We have members who travel quite a, some distance. In normal circumstances, I mean, pre-COVID, we have about four or five, six million people in the general area of the congregation. So we have a very large area, very urban area, and some, a lot of transitions. We've had a lot of people in and out just because of the nature of the location and the work, people moving in, people moving out for various reasons. So there's a lot, it's, it's kind of a revolving door in some ways, but uh, we've been able to grow a really strong community here. A uh, very uh diverse group um uh, with uh people really from all over the country so it's kind of an interesting uh melting pot of different people's experiences and, and and things with different churches and and whatnot and uh it's been uh it's been a real real uh great opportunity to work with the brethren here
1: well look at the uh, look at the uh uh how and i'm just assuming this would be true how much you've grown you and sarah have grown personally just um uh, being with with folks from different areas right and you Mm -hmm. the the different cultures the different backgrounds one one of the statements on the website was uh that you're a diverse group of people who shared faith in jesus is greater than any of our differences and i thought Mm -hmm. that was i thought that was really good uh disciples making disciples is that what is that what we're supposed to do disciples making disciples
0: yeah that was that was a focus yeah
1: yeah that's the focus all right now, the, uh, the voice, and I, I'm familiar, I, I can't even remember how I saw it the first time, but I even pulled up a, look, I even pulled out a, a copy of it here from, uh, wow. know it. this was from uh, June 7th, 2020, and you were talking about relational evangelism. Uh, mm-hmm. Very good, very good article, but um, the, uh, but, one of the things that the statement there on uh, the website about the, your uh, this publication, instruction for your encouragement. And I wanted to talk about that for a second. Do we need to be encouraged? How's that for a silly question? Do we need to be encouraged, Ethan?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the core essential of what we do as an assembly. You know, everything we do is to encourage one another in Hebrews 10 25, to provide strength to one another. I mean, uh, we have that's why we come together. We, you know, to, to share the strength that we're given in Christ and to remind each other who we are, what we're about. And sometimes I think we get away from that uh, very core fundamental uh, in all the stuff that we do.
1: If uh, if my wife and I were out in California it's been years since we've been out there, but let's say that we weren't Christians and somehow we stumbled there and, and came and worshiped with, with your group. And, and obviously we're interested in spiritual things or we wouldn't be there. Give, give us a, an idea of how you would approach us about perhaps setting up a study and, and, and then what, what type of a study do you have that you use? And, and uh, you see what I'm saying there? So mm-hmm. I'm a visitor and I'm interested and how would you, how would you pursue us?
0: Well, probably the first thing we would do is go to lunch, Um, try to invite people out to lunch to kind of get to know them a little bit and to kind of feel out where they are. Um, We, especially with Los Angeles and understanding uh, people value their relational space. Um, People have all kinds of ideas of what Los Angeles is about. And most of them are, eh. Mostly inaccurate, actually. I mean, the people who live here are just the people who work in industries and they have families and everything else. They're, they're very normal in that sense. What's very not normal is that everybody, a lot of people who are here have come here from somewhere else. They're very uprooted, they're very disjointed and disconnected, and everybody's kind of in their own bubble. And so we have to go through a very patient process to work through getting into people's lives and letting people open up to you. And so we don't have a really aggressive push. We very much keep a very open approach. We want to encourage people and we want to be welcoming. We want you to feel welcome. We want you to feel included, but I don't want to be pushy. And we've had people who've told us that, yeah, I mean, the reason I kept coming back was actually because you weren't pushing anything on me. You were letting me go my own pace. And so, you know, we'd feel out. And if you indicated an interest in spiritual things and learning more, I might open the invitation to having a a one-on-one study. Or uh, I might invite you to a group study that we're doing, some kind of weekly group study. Uh, Some people feel much more comfortable in the group context. Uh, Some people feel more comfortable in individual context. And so we'd go from there. If you want to do an individual study, um, what I have come up with uh, is actually being published by Spirit Building Publishing here, hopefully soon. It's what I call the one story. And the one story uh, was kind of a whole reconfiguration I did of looking at an introductory study. Uh, One of the challenges that here we've had in Los Angeles is that whereas in a lot of places, like maybe in Indiana and other places, if somebody's walking in the door, you can have some expectation that they've had some kind of understanding in Christianity. Right. Um, We've had the experience here. We had uh, an interesting experience in 2011 where we had some uh, people from Iran who through all kinds of strange ways ended up visiting with us and they had absolutely zero understanding of anything Christian. And so when you start out with a lot of these materials that presume a denominational background, there's all this stuff that's, that's being assumed that I can't assume anybody understands. Even if somebody says, Hey, I'm coming from this or this church, I can't assume that they know anything. I, okay. I know they've gone to that church, but do they understand that church teaches do they understand who Jesus is? Do they understand who God is? And so we came up with the one study, because the one study was rooted in John 17, 20 through 23, where Jesus prays uh, that all who believe on Jesus through the word of the apostles would be one, as you and I are one, that they would be one, and they would be in us as I am in you. And and, and I use that matrix to say, okay, who is God? And to establish God is the one in three persons, three in one, in one in relational unity that we are made in God's image to be uh, related to God, to have that relationship with God and with one another in God. And then we look at what's the problem? Well, uh, God made everything good, but then we have the sin issue and that we can't solve our sin issue by ourselves. We needed the redemption that we get from Jesus and the sacrifice Jesus offered to reconcile us back to God. And from there, being able to say, well, God didn't just reconcile us to him, that we also be reconciled to one another. Because I'm afraid in too many uh, things about evangelism, we fall and pray to the sinner's prayer trap. We just turn into baptism. We're like, all right, just pray the prayer, or get baptized, and then you're good. Well, you get people baptized, and they're like, well, okay, I've solved my sin problem. I'm just going to go back to what I was. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to, to, to frame the whole thing. When, you're, when you understand that you're growing in a relationship with God, getting baptized isn't the end. It's really the beginning. And so when you frame it in terms of that relationship connection, and that it's not even just with God, but also with the people of God, that the prayer, Jesus' prayer, is for us as believers to be one as God is one, to really then set that groundwork as working together in Christ and then welcoming other people in Christ. So that becomes kind of the foundational basis upon which I explain to somebody who God is, who they are, the sin problem, the means by which we have initial salvation in Jesus, the plan of salvation, but also the importance of joint participation with Christians and growth in the faith.
1: That sounds really good. Um, You know, that you made me think of something there that uh, I'm afraid, and I want this to sound right too, uh, and I like the way you said it, but it's almost like in some places people have learned uh, that they need to be baptized for remission of their sins, and they follow through on that. Uh, But then, uh, this is a kind of a cold way to say it, but at the end of the day, it's like they just got wet. They didn't really Mm -hmm. understand at all the process of what was really taking place. And like you said, of being reconciled to God and being reconciled to each other. I was talking to a fellow one time about, I was calling them new convert classes or new, uh, new life in Christ, whatever different ones call them. And I said, I know you've lived around the, around the country and several places in your work. What, what kind of new convert classes have you seen, been exposed to? And he looked at me for a second, he said, you know what? I've never been anywhere where we had one. You know, just think about that. So if you're not, if you're not being involved in evangelism, teaching those who are on the outside, you're not gonna have a new convert class. Or if the only ones that are obeying the gospel are the children of the members, which they need to obey the gospel too, of course, but uh, they would just stay in the classes that they're in. But that, that whole dynamic of, uh, of teaching people that, like you said, the, obeying the gospel, that's just the beginning. That's just the, That's just mm-hmm. the first steps, right?
0: And we need to create a framework for that. And one of the big fallacies I see in evangelism is thinking that evangelism ends when somebody gets baptized. Yeah. And there's a sense in which, sure, but that's where there's a seamless transition from evangelism into discipleship. You know, that's why it's disciples making disciples. And there's a process there. And so many times I've seen this happen. And we've probably seen this too, where uh, you get a convert who's really interested and you as a preacher develop a great relationship with them, but they're never incorporated into the life of the church. And you know, they may stumble on for a few months or years, but something will happen and, you know, Hey, they still like you, but they're no longer in the church uh, because they didn't get to know anybody else. And that's where we need to have a very deliberate protocol in place or some kind of program in place where we have uh, people welcoming new Christians into their homes for meals to get to know them, to have a series of studies where we go through the basics. Now, something else I developed was, uh, basically the 100 level of the faith, you know, what is the big picture of the Bible? What is the gospel? What is the plan of salvation? What is righteousness and sin? Basic ideas of what is righteousness, what is sin? How are we supposed to read the Bible and understand it? Very basic way of looking at it. What, what is each book of the Bible about? Kind of an overview. What is the church and its assemblies about? Um, looking at basic doctrine, who is God, who is Jesus, who is the spirit, who is what's the Bible, what's salvation? These things that if you don't get these things, you know, We assume people kind of know these things, but where would they learn them, you know? And that spiritual milk foundation, you've got to establish real fast when there's that excitement. When you establish it real fast and they grow quickly to have that good foundation, they're able to build on it and really understand what discipleship is about. If you let those really important few weeks or months after conversion, you know, they They just get in the habit of, well, I'll go to church, and I'll go to these Bible classes, and you can see the growth trajectory shortening, and the horizons of the growth and and encouragement of Christ is there, and it's really distressing. And so there's part of evangelism, what are you bringing people into? You know, what house are you welcoming them into? What's the condition of the house? You know, what's the environment of the church? Is it an environment that's going to help encourage them to grow? Or is going to be an environment that's just going to kind of suppress growth? And so it's kind of like your home, right? You want your home to look nice and so to have a nice environment when you bring people in. Sure. What's the way we should look at it too with evangelism?
1: Yeah, there's been so many things like this have come up in these past episodes. of, uh, But that's one is this of how we see things, how, how current members see things. And I think a lot of times people forget. Uh, and, and, and you've used the word "assume" several times here. And uh, the study that I do it starts out with assuming some things, but uh, but we assume that people know more than they do, and we assume they're growing faster than they are, and we all grow at a different rate. But uh, you know, we're all at a different education level and different. Uh, we grasp things quicker than others, and but being being included as a part of the group is such an important thing, especially somebody did not grow up around other Christians and they don't even know what this is supposed to look like. They see what they see, but how does that compare to what the scriptures teach? You know, and that's part of what you're saying there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell me, uh, I like to call it a conversion story. Tell me, tell me of somebody uh, uh, in in your past that, uh, and maybe there's unique circumstances or that ended up in a study and they ended up obeying the gospel and, a story that you'd like to share with us.
0: Okay. It's going to be a little roundabout one, but uh, I think that's an important way of putting it. Uh, a few years ago, we had a young woman who was a member of the church who moved out to LA to pursue a career like uh, men, many do. And uh, that, that's kind of one of our main ways of getting people to join our congregation as they've moved out from somewhere else. You know, she had uh, grown up, raised in the church, and a uh, very smart young woman, and had a lot of baggage You know, had been taught a few things that, quite frankly, were much more cultural than biblical and caused her a lot of consternation and difficulty. And um, when she first moved out, didn't see her a lot, you know, clearly a a time of spiritual challenge and weakness. But uh, she had some friends that you know was close to, was able to kind of get an opportunity to open up and talk. And uh, through a lot of good conversations, was able to kind of work through a lot of the difficulties that she had. And uh, she started showing up more. She uh, started participating more in the life of the church. I could see a lot of good good spiritual growth in this young woman. It was a great opportunity. And then uh, just just as this pandemic was beginning, she was talking with one of her um, people that lived in her same apartment complex. And uh, he was going through a rough time. Somebody who really appreciates relationships. And of course, with this pandemic, separated from a lot of that. And they were able to have a lot of good conversations. And uh, she was able to uh, guide him to understand that he needed to be baptized. And he was baptized. And now we are kind of helping him grow and encourage him in his faith as well. And and I tell that story because um, so many times we, we look at evangelism as we have to go out into the world. And we certainly do need to do that. But part of what we need to do is to make sure that we're encouraging our own and strengthening and sustaining our own. Where uh, if she had not been willing to have the studies and to grow and was not really wanting to make her faith work or was in a place where she just kind of fell off, she would never have been in that position to talk with that young man to guide him to faith. If she had gone the way of a lot of people here in LA, they come in, they move in, they get busy. And it's not that they intended to fall away, it just got busy and didn't really grow in the life of the church. We wouldn't have had that opportunity. And so you can't overestimate sometimes the, the power of working with the people you have. And to, again, that Ephesians 4.12, equip the saints for the work of ministry. You, you, you have to provide the equipment, the tools, the encouragement to first maintain the faith, to be strong in the faith, to be have the confidence go out and tell other people and to give them models to do that in ways that are comfortable for them. And then the work can be done.
1: Yes. Uh, you know, this came up early in one of the interviews. Uh, it, the statement, fellow was telling a story about, and I think the lady was a cashier at a Walmart or someplace, and he met her and then... Uh, you know, court, he, he made a comment, something like he was observing her. There was a lot of people in line and uh, he got to her and you can see her name tag. And he said, whatever her name was, that you really, you really do a good job. Well, it's like maybe nobody ever said anything like that to her before. <laughs> and she, and this, so they hit it off. And so every time he would go back there, he would make sure if she was working, he'd get in her line, however long it took. <clears throat> and then he ended up inviting mm-hmm. her to services and she ends up becoming a Christian And then it ends up with seven or eight other people become Christians. And, uh, Mm -hmm. but he made a statement. I've often thought, what if I had never said anything to her? So I've Mm -hmm. I've been bringing that up almost every time. And and there it would be like, well, what you could go all the way back. You said roundabout, but what if she had never moved to your area? What if Mm -hmm. she hadn't come there to worship with you guys? What if she had, what if she had never recognized that, that fellow there in the complex is needing somebody to talk to and develop in a relationship. You know what I'm saying? It, mm-hmm. The ch- chances are if she hadn't done that, he may not have, uh, he may not have ever learned the truth. So this, mm-hmm. that's su- such a fundamental thing too of, of recognizing the people that we come in contact. And uh, we often pray and ask God to put people in our paths. And then he does it and we just ignore them and walk right by them. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but what if so that 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 sister and I know you've encouraged her but she needs to be commended for uh, for reaching out to him and uh, hopefully he will recognize that he needs to continue to keep it going if you will you know I know that of course you're a you're a younger guy I'm 74 how old are you Ethan I'm 39
0: 39
1: okay I told you the other day I said you want to trade oh I know we can't do that but but you know, one thing that I've learned this year with, uh, with all this COVID, uh, I've learned how to do Zoom. I'm still learning, but I've had Bible studies on Zoom. We had two that ended up obeying the gospel, a, a young couple, uh, and I had met him before uh, we started the Zoom, met him in person, but I did not meet her until she came to the building to be baptized, and that was the first, mm-hmm. first time I'd ever met her face to face, uh, but I, I know you're you're very tech savvy, and uh, that was one of the things you talked about in the truth lectures was the technology and how to improve our communication. Uh, what would be a couple of things that have come to mind that you've learned here during COVID that uh, that you think has helped you in your work as far as technology is concerned?
0: Ooh. Um. I know that's it, it's been a learning curve. Uh, we had to learn video very fast. Uh, we were actually preparing to start doing some more of video. Uh, my, my concern has been mostly professionalism. Uh, I'm at the very, the people that I work with in the congregation are professional in the, in the industry. And I, I didn't want to put out cheap stuff, uh, with COVID, you know, we're doing the best that we can. And we, you know, we've we got some stuff in the work to be doing a little bit better with the editing and things of that nature. Uh, sometimes I think I've been handicapped by that. I've been expecting too much perfection. Um, we pushed out a lot of content, uh, and i found that having engaging content and understanding first and foremost, that you've got to meet the medium. So when you're using technology like video, you know, the sermon is going to have to sound a little different. I've been doing a lot more asking questions and trying to drive engagement than just straight lines. And, um, one of the things, uh, you think that I am a, a younger man and perhaps, but I'm old in my own uh, context because there's a whole other generation younger than me. And, you know, I struggle with the video generation. I'm much better with the written content than the video stuff. And so sometimes I have the younger people saying, hey, you know, I saw this. Why don't we try this? Why don't we try this? And that's what's kind of been helping me try to figure out. Uh, with, with technology, you kind of have to inverse the tender discipleship thing where you have to let the young people teach you. Let the young people tell you what you should do and let them guide and direct cause they're, they're much more intuitive with it. And so one of the things was, uh, I, I take and with sermons, I try to break it down into four points that I can use a scripture, a thought and something to think about, uh, and I will distribute those as daily videos and I'll make them stories on Instagram and Facebook. And so it's less than a minute, you know, so it, it should, it, you can do the whole video. And especially with the questions that's led to some engagement. I really like stories because sometimes the social media, you have people you don't want to bombard with religious material all the time. And they're going to like unfriend you, which is what happened in the early days of Facebook. But with stories they're there if people want to see them, but they don't have to, they're not, it's not right in front of them as much. And so by posting these minute things as stories i have seen people looking at them that i've been able to from a very wide range of family people in la and things that i wouldn't get a chance to reach normally and uh, i'll get questions or i'll get responses sometimes that i was never expecting and so again dropping that word in various ways finding these ways to reach people in an effective ways short little messages here and there you know uh can really be effective
1: yeah yeah so many things uh yeah i'm learning uh uh, so, I mean, as soon as I think I've got something figured out, they go and change it. But, uh, but yeah, exactly. the, uh, the different tools and things that are there for us to be able to, to, to teach others in, in various places. It's just fascinating. We're already out of time. In fact, I think we've gone a little past time, but uh, let's close it, uh, if we could, Ethan, uh, with what I call the one thing. So somebody, I know there's more than one thing, but somebody's listening to this, and and you've gotten you've got them excited, or they're saying, you know what? I realized after listening that I haven't been doing anything. I have just been coming to services, and and I haven't been haven't been talking to anybody, haven't even been bringing up Jesus to anybody. What would be one thing that to, to get involved in in reach, leading others to Christ? What would be one thing they need to do, or one thing they need to learn how to do?
0: I think the first thing to do is to completely rethink what you think evangelism looks like. You know, when I tell you what evangelism, what comes to mind, and I'm afraid a lot of people have in their minds, maybe a guy holding a sign, yelling at people. And cause that's a very common view. And if that's their view of evangelism, you don't want to evangelize uh, for other people. It's, you know, that very uh, cold call approach where they're just able to just, they strike up a conversation with anybody and lead them to Jesus. And for a lot of people, that's just terrifying. Uh, look, we are all made differently. We all have different skills. And evangelism is a lot more than a very aggressive sales pitch. Sometimes evangelism looks like you just are a really good friend of people and you just are open for the opportunity where you know them, they know you, they know who you are, what you're about, and you have an opportunity at some point to speak a word of life and direct them in the right way. You don't need to look at evangelism as this high octane, extroverted, out in the middle of the community uh, in a very uh, exposed way. Uh, There are many different ways you can lead people to Jesus. Uh, There are many different approaches you can use to lead people to Jesus, and it takes all kinds. And so it may not be this traditional way that you think in your head may not be your way but you can find ways to take the skills and the temperament that you have and use it to the glory of God to bring others to Jesus.
1: Oh, wow. So much that we could talk about there. I've said that two or three times and I mean it, but (laughs) yeah, you know, these, uh, this, this last year, as frustrating as it's been, it's also, uh, hopefully opened up some minds and ideas of, of different ways that we can do our work for the Lord. And, uh, uh, and there's even better ways I think that are coming and as we get more skilled and adapted to using those tools but Ethan thank you so much uh, very very good uh, interview and I thank you for taking the time here uh, on this Friday morning to uh, allow us to interview you and we uh, uh, I look lord willing I look forward to meeting you one day in person and and uh, keep up your good work there uh, in the LA area and look forward to you uh, getting to know you even better as time goes forward. So God bless you and everything that you're doing.
0: Well, thank you. Yes, God bless. Thank you. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.